I just want to um, say a couple of things before I start my message. What uh, If you're a visitor here and you kind of think, wow, what goes on here? I don't know if I've ever been to a church where people are getting up and speaking, but you know what we're doing is, according to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14, verse 26, where when we come together, you know, because we're members of the body of Christ, we, we have a, a psalm, we have a proverb, we have a prophetic utterance, we have some word of encouragement, and we're encouraged in the Bible through what Paul taught about building the New Testament church as how we're just supposed to share things with each other. You're not supposed to just come and hear me speak. You know, you're supposed to be here open to receive what the Holy Spirit's saying to you, especially as become part of the body uh, to participate and use the spiritual gifts and the things that would uh, that are going on in your life, and they bring encouragement to, to other people here. And then, you know, there's another verse that talks about in 1 Corinthians 14 about the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. And so you'll see either Jay or you'll see Bruce Gessick or sometimes Dory sits here, and it's because being pastoral over this house, we, we have our hearts open, we're praying, we're in unity to what God's doing here. So we, we kind of like have a heart. Our, when we come into worship, we're kind of open to just kind of like, God, we want to ha- have that sensitivity of what you're saying in the service. So you may see different people get up, and sometimes people you see go there and they're not allowed to speak. You have to trust that sometimes there's just a, a pastoring over the flow like First Corinthians 14 tells us what to do. So I just want to let you know that just to help you to understand what we're doing here. You know, there's a one point in our, in our worship service today where Enoch said, well, just kind of let your own song come out. That's part of like, we're in this process where we're singing songs that are known they're familiar, and that connects us and helps us uh, really together pr- sing songs that are familiar. But hopefully in this place, because we're in the presence of God and that atmosphere of the Holy Spirit is moving on our heart, when it comes to that place of free worship, you can sing out. Maybe you had an answer prayer. Lord, I just thank you this week that you answered my prayer. God, I thank you because right now I'm feeling so much love for you. It's that spontaneous place where your heart can engage with words that you can form that create this atmosphere that you have in your heart and that you hear your soul sing out to God and give praise and thanks. So the next time we have that little free worship part, don't go quiet. Just let your heart get into that flow. And you'll find the more you, you are responding, you're, you're experiencing more of the presence of God flowing through you, and it's going to bring encouragement to you. Every time we get together, whether it's a small group and there's that interaction where you're getting closer to people and, and growing in the body, or you come to a Bible study, or you come to Wednesday Thrive, or you come to a Sunday morning service, these are like places like, like a, a huddle. Or maybe at work, you know, when your boss calls that meeting and everyone gets in there and they kind of present maybe new material or things they want to do. That's only the place where new thoughts and ideas are initiated. And from then on, there's activation. It's the same thing when you hear the word of God on Sunday or every time you gather. There's something that God's saying. But as you go out, there's an activation that happens through the Holy Spirit through you uh, letting the Holy Spirit remind you of the things that God is saying, especially in our worship services. Uh, I really try to pray and say, God, help me to say what I'm supposed to be saying. But from what you're hearing, you let the Holy Spirit help you put into practice what God's saying to you. You know, sometimes we we expect everything to happen in a Sunday service or in a gathering. And sometimes we walk away thinking, like, oh, I didn't get anything. No, no, you're taking in seeds. Something's going to happen as you go out into your week. You've set up an atmosphere 
of the Holy Spirit because you come here and you're receiving, you're open. But when you go out, there's an empowerment. It's just like when you eat, you're, you're hungry, you're starving, you stuff yourself. Well, you experience your body taking in that nourishment and breaking it down and assimilating it when you, when you leave breakfast, when you leave lunch, when you leave dinner. It's the same thing about the Word of God. Don't try to analyze everything in your head, but take it in, be open, be flexible. And then when God brings to your mind, when the Holy Spirit causes you to remember things that you have heard, activate on that, meditate on that, think about that. When God gives you those nuggets, when you're reading the Word of God, when you're in prayer, write those nuggets down, think about them, meditate on them, say, Holy Spirit, show me how uh, any steps I can take to make the Word come alive. So hopefully this will just kind of help us as we get going. This is my fourth week and uh, talking about we want to know the Lord more. And when you think about uh, knowing people, especially those relationships that are God-ordained or, you know, that, that, are, that are called and, and we begin to know a person, they, they take time, but they change us. And I was thinking as a young person, here I was in my 20s, I was working, I was a janitor, I was working nights, but I, I was working under uh, Don Phillips when he, he had started out. Well, he, he was a chaplain at Santa Clara County Juvenile Hall. And I remember coming in as one of his interns and working with the juvenile hall kids. But growing in my relationship with God, being a church attender, being a member, tithing, giving money, doing whatever I've, I, I learned to do, there was a progression of the more I knew about God, the, the more it became part of my real-life experience. I remember growing up, because uh, my parents were so radically saved, my dad was a World War II veteran. He was an alcoholic. Uh, my mom had seen a lot of negative things growing up. Her, her father was not the best father and absentee and abusive and everything. So when they accepted the Lord, their life radically changed. And so they brought us kids, and they started taking us to church. And so we were, we were starting on our own journey through being around Christians, being in the body of Christ, hearing the word of God, where those messages were starting to build a, a behavior and a, really a culture in our life, the Christian culture, that kingdom of God culture. Of, there's, a, there's another way to live. And so as they adapted themselves and changed and they grew to know God, their influence on us grew too. And when I was thinking of the different places that we grow in our life, that God brings different people into our life through our understanding of who he is, and he reveals himself in different ways through different people. And so I grew into this place in my life where I knew God and, and uh, I was trying to take every step that I felt he wanted me to take to be in obedience to him and to know him more. And then this girl comes along named Dory, you know, and my life totally radically changed. Now, before I met her and if I knew where everything was going to unfold, I don't know if I necessarily would have jumped in. But in this, in this progression of knowing God, you, he keeps taking you into different uh, seasons and life experiences because he's transforming us. He's, he's removing us out of this world and he's causing us to grow into the understanding of the kingdom of God and, and, the, and having God be part of our life. And so getting married started a whole new place where I was knowing a person, but also I was knowing God in a different way. I was knowing God that he has people. He has people that know him. And my interaction with them lets me have new insights into who God is. And so I know him through, through people. And, and hopefully, those of you who are coming in, you are going to take little steps to get closer to people here. Now, I know we look scary, <clears throat> but we're really not that scary. 
we're like you, but we don't necessarily look like you. We've gone through some of the same life experiences, fears, doubts, troubles, things that we deal with. But together, because we know God, we're getting closer. And as, be, as we become part of his body, we see those different aspects of who God is. And then we also are receiving different aspects of who God is and how he wants to minister to us because he ministers to us and gives us what we need through other people of the body of Christ. Now, if you've had bad experiences with people, <clears throat> you're saying, hey, you, you're, you're lucky I know God. I'm just starting there. But let me tell you that as you keep trusting and letting yourself be around people that he wants to bring around you, you are going to learn to trust. Those places where you've experienced negative experiences and knowing people hasn't been safe, God is going to change that. God's going to help you to understand that, wow, what have I been missing out? But just take it slow and easy. Pray about it. Pray about your relationships. Pray about the steps that you're supposed to take and keep taking those steps. And I, I found for me as I kept taking steps in God, even though they were scary, even though I felt like I'd have less control, I didn't know what was going on, they always caused me to grow and have a greater understanding of who God is. Again, in our world, you know, we're born, we grow up, you know, we get out from under our parents. Maybe that's been a good or bad experience for people, you know, getting on your own. But the bottom line is we sometimes we come to the place where we realize, you know what, I don't have to be an island to myself. I don't have to know it all. In fact, it's better to be connected to God and to other people. When that happens, you become a greater uh, person in how God calls you because you become part of something greater. You lose yourself to be part of a body, and God is represented in, in, in this body called the body of Christ in connection with other Christians that, became, that becomes a strength because of God to itself and a strength that you have in yourself being a part of something bigger than yourself. That's just a little bit hoping you, I can try to connect with you a little bit and on this journey. I tell you, it's a journey knowing God. It's a journey that has, like, I so appreciate what Savannah said today. Sometimes you're just downright ticked at God, you know, especially when you give your life to follow God and things aren't happening and prayers aren't being answered and things aren't changing. You said, why am I involved with this? Why am I doing this, God? Why am I in relationship with you? Kind of like marriage, you know, you, sometimes we get irritated with the ones we love. But we work through that and we grow. But it's that whole process that God is the most personable, most precious person to get to know because he always comes through. And we always grow past those places of disappointment and agitation and irritation with him because he loves us. Um, knowing God is revealed in the Old Testament. He, he reveals himself as a spirit. And Jesus explained this in John 4, 24. Jesus said, God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We're learning the ways of God through his word, through reading the Old Testament, through our life experiences, that this big old guy that's bigger and beyond the universe cares about me. And so he sent a guy named Jesus, his son, to be human so that I might better understand who God is. We've talked about over and over again that when we accept Jesus Christ, we have the right to be connected with God. And when we, when we receive him, when we believe that Jesus died for us personally, for our sins, and we're tired of our sinful life and we want a new life, when we accept Jesus, we begin that new life. 
But the biggest part is our spirit becomes alive, and that's the, the lifeline. That's the communicator between us and God is our spirit to God who is spirit. So that's what we're talking about. Knowing God is awakening this whole different area where you're giving yourself time and attention to to know this God that I can't always see with my eyes. I can't always feel him with my feelings. But we can recognize him by the answers to prayer, by even our interaction with other people. So appreciate even uh, Regina sharing what she shared in our small group with you today, that all that prayer is that even the mental health issues that her son had, that God took off those voices. You know, I don't know about you, but that encourages me. You know, working with people and knowing people deal with different things in their life, to know that God keeps doing miracles. And you may think like, well, how come the first day she prayed it didn't happen? Who knows? But God has been working. From the beginning, God is working in our lives. God's working through our prayers. The Word of God is so important because the Word of God gives us knowledge and understanding of who God is, but it's the Holy Spirit that makes the Word of God alive and breaks it down for us so that we have a verse or we have a verse or scripture that we're reading or thinking about, but then as we're living out our life, we find that the Holy Spirit comes and makes that alive and amplifies it at times where we see different aspects of what the Word of God is saying to us, and then we see it being played out in our life experience. And that's the whole thing. We want to experience God. You should be praying every day, God, as I'm on my journey and I'm giving time to know you, I want to experience you. I want to experience you every day of my life. I want to know new aspects of who you are. I want to understand your character, not from just what your Bible says and my head understands, but from what my heart, my spirit knows or could know about you. I want to go deeper in this place of knowing you, God. In the Old Testament, it also mentions that God revealed himself through his words. In Exodus 14, verses 26 through 31, Israel had been delivered from the place of bondage, Egypt, Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen and all of the army of the Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea. And the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. And so Israel saw the great work which God had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine how traumatic it was that whole period of time, even before deliverance, seeing the plagues, bringing judgment on all the gods. I think there's like 10 gods that those plagues represented that the the Egyptians worshipped, these false gods and idols. But God brought judgment on everything that they had believed. He broke the foundation of their belief system in false gods to prove to them that he was God. And he was a God who was alive. And he was a God who was interested in his people. And even the fact that those children of Israel were in bondage for 40 years were for not only the Israelites to know, but for even the unbelievers, for the Egyptians to know that there is a real God. And so can you imagine them going through, seeing all the plagues and what was done? I'm sure they were fearful. 
having the death angel pass over their house and knowing people in the Egyptian houses lost the firstborn child, can you imagine the fear? And then can you, I don't know about you, but going down to Santa Cruz and having the ocean parted and God saying, walk through there, go walk to Hawaii. I don't know about you, but seeing water on both sides, I think I'd be a little hesitant. I think maybe I'd be carrying a canoe or something that maybe I could uh, use for uh, backup. But the fear, what they saw, but when they saw the enemies that had, had been persecuting them for 430 years, when they saw their enemies wiped out, can you imagine that was a work of God? That was supposed to initiate to them that this God who I cannot see, he's a powerful God and he does wonderful works. God commits to Noah's people in Hosea 2.20. I will even betroth you to me in stability and in faithfulness. How many of us have had instability in our lives, have had people in our lives that are unfaithful? You might be starting your journey and think like, God, I don't even barely trust you. I don't even know why I accepted you, Jesus. And that's part of our old nature rising up and part of like the place that doesn't trust him rising up. But God is committing through saying this, I committed to you. When you accept Jesus Christ, he says, I commit to you. No matter what you have to go through, your ups and downs in your faith, your resistance, all the things that have to come up and get healed and delivered from your soul, from your practical experiences, God's saying, I'm committing to you. You're going to learn my faithfulness. And it says, and you shall know, you will recognize, you will become acquainted with, and you will appreciate, and you're going to listen and give heed to And then you're going to begin to cherish me, the Lord. What a promise. How many of us know that we need stability in this unstable world, in a world where relationships are unstable, where people can die? We're we're needing to know that there's someone who will constantly be there and be stable for us. In Hosea 6.3, it says, Yes, let us know. Let us recognize and be acquainted with and understand him. Let us be zealous to know the Lord to appreciate, to give heed to, and to cherish him. His going forth is prepared and, and certain as the dawn, and he will come to us as the heavy rain, as the latter rain that waters the earth. We're going to know him through answered prayer. Again, I see uh, what we've been seeing. Have you noticed out here our own dry ground. How you look, notice how beautiful it is around our parking lot now? Our vegetation hasn't been here for probably three years. It's been just dry. It, it is so green. I, have, I can't remember it being that green. But I can remember over the last few years how we prayed for rain. I can remember some of our prayer meetings on Wednesday night when all we had was worship and prayer, and we were praying that God would end the drought. During those two years of prayer, our, our, our conscious mind could also could almost mock God like, yeah, I've been praying for a week. We've been praying. We know we need water. And where is it? And now that it's come, it's so not a matter of us considering anything. And do we give it readily? Do we credit it to being God and answer to prayer? No. It's raining now. We got rain. We don't, we don't think about it because we're so connected in this world. We are praying, and you should be praying for spiritual revival and renewal in your life. You should constantly be asking God, I need an experience. I need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit on my life. I need to know you. You told the disciples to go wait in Jerusalem until they would be filled with your presence through the Holy Spirit. 
you told them, don't do anything until you are full of the Holy Spirit's power. That's Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit himself coming and living in our heart. And we constantly need those times of refreshing, but we've got to keep praying for it. And just like the rain came after drought, I tell you, rain is going to come on your spirit. Rain is going to come on your soul. Rain is going to wash over you. The rain of the Holy Spirit is going to renew and strengthen and maybe even tend you on a new direction in your life, on a new path. We don't like this one. It's Deuteronomy 8.2. God tests us to know us. It's not just a one-way thing, but he's testing us. He tests us to see if we can hold more of him. He's testing us to see if we can obey. If he gives us too much, it's going to mess us up. Just like our kids, we don't give them to the keys to the car when they're five years old. We wait till they're a little older. You know, it's, Moses said, and you shall earnestly remember all the way which the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to prove you, to know what was in your mind and in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Also, Dory always told me this. In fact, I learned it from her. We test love before we trust love. I'm thinking, you always tell me that. I've been doing good. I've been faithful. We test love until we trust love. People don't automatically trust us because we are people of character. If they've had any experiences that are contrary to trust, they're not going to trust us. But sometimes God sends people around us who can be trusted until we can learn how to trust. That's the same way with God. He's trying to uh, bring us through circumstances and situations so that we, we can really learn to trust him. All of life's circumstances are opportunities to get to know the Lord. Even when we're seeking the Lord and we're thinking he is hiding and he's not going to be found. How many times I've left prayer and thinking like, where are you? You're not showing up. I have no sense that you're talking to me or I'm getting anything out of you. And I've left frustrated many times in my prayer. And there's been also times where I prayed and nothing's happening. And I said, so what? I'm going to pray more. And I prayed more and nothing's happening. And I said, so what? I'm going to pray more. I'm talking to my soul that says, okay, let's go do something. Go cut the lawn. Do something else. Obviously, there's nothing happening here. Anybody have their old self-life tell you that when, when you want to pray or read your Bible? And then I said, no, I think we're going to pray a little more. And a lot of times you have to pray. You have to seek God. And he's even looking to you. How desperate are you? How desperate are you even to break out of the familiar places that you have in your relationship with God? Oh, you have to get so bored to say, I got to have something dynamic happen without going out and doing something on your own that's not wise. God, I've got to have a fresh experience. God, there's just a deeper hunger inside of me. There's a deeper place of not being satisfied that I've got to have you touch. Jesus. What do you know about Jesus? I wanted to kind of shift gears. Well, I guess I can give you this first verse. John 14, 7. Jesus said to his followers, if you had known me and learned to recognize me, you would also have known my father. But from now on, you know him and have seen him. Again, Jesus coming in the flesh, filled in the gaps. There's no places to have reasonable doubt because we have a living Jesus who feels and has gone through everything that we could go through to reveal himself and that God is with us. You have to ask yourself, what do I know about Jesus today? Because God wants you to expand your understanding of who Jesus is. It should be like your relationships. It should be ever-growing and changing. 
And I know there's times we have to shake it up in our relationships that are familiar where we take each other for granted. But those places where you break through to a deeper place of understanding. <clears throat> Excuse me. In Matthew uh, eleven twenty seven, 27, Jesus said, All things have been trusted and delivered to me by my Father. And no one fully knows and accurately understands the Son except the Father. And no one fully knows and accurately understands the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son deliberately wills to make him known. We understand in John 3 that Jesus died for the world. That means all of us, it's God's will for us to know God. And there's times where the enemy messes with us. When we're not connecting with God, those little thoughts, oh, see, he doesn't care about you. How many have ever heard that whisper? That's a lie. Jesus went to the cross, and he's not there playing hide-and-seek with you, saying, I'm not going to let you have what I paid for. No. He's for us. He's with us. He is wanting to reveal himself. He deliberately wants to make himself known. He deliberately, in his will, wants us to know him. Our key verse for today is John 17, 3. This is one you could chew on. This is like a piece of jerky that you could really chew on for a while. Jesus is talking to his disciples about the Father, and he says this. This is eternal life. This is what it means to know, to perceive, and recognize, to become acquainted with and understand you, the only true God, and likewise to know him, Jesus as the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, in whom you have sent. This is life. This is eternal life. I know sometimes we have different ideas of what life is. Maybe when we're happy or when we've got reasonably everything we want. That's not doing it. If it was, we wouldn't have some of the richest people in the world or stars or actors killing themselves because they have everything. And you think if we have everything or all the money we need, that would bring happiness or that would bring life. No. Life is knowing God and it's eternal life. Think of Moses, 40 days on the mountain. Twice, he was learning to perceive and get more connected with God. He was getting sensitive to who God was. He was becoming acquainted to God's ways, God's commands, and the strict demands that God was putting on him as a leader that was going to be over Israel. Eternal life is to know God. Here it is out of just the King James Version. Jesus said, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and to know Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Have you ever asked yourself, what is eternal life? I know life here, and I understand a little bit about life here from my own experience, but what is eternal life? Have you ever had those weird moments where your mind cannot grasp around eternity, and, and you think of, think of what living for life is forever, and it kind of messes with you? Anybody had that? I was a little kid when I had first had that thought, and it just messed with me. Live forever? I cannot conceive. I cannot understand. But we consider God who is life, God who created the universe, God who came down and redeemed us from Satan. I think his plan for us and living eternally is going to be something that's going to be better than we can even imagine. So ask yourself, what is eternal life? Contemplate that, because that's so key in your knowing Jesus and you're onward growing in this relationship with him. In John six fifty three through 58, Jesus said to the Jews, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. 
Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my, fl- my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. You know, he connected knowing God with our human understanding of we have to eat and we have to drink. And how many times those of us like me who have little eating disorders where I eat for control or I eat for comfort or I eat when I can't get God to do something, I know I'm probably the only one in the room that does that. But I'm always praying and working on it. It shows that the inside of us, in this brokenness that happened when Adam and Eve fell and the whole world was put into sin and separated from God, that deep within us, there's a desire and a longing for a deep satisfaction, a deep knowing that food and substances don't fulfill, that work doesn't fulfill, that pleasure doesn't fulfill, that nothing that we can conjure up or go after will bring the complete satisfaction for this deep hunger. So Jesus was relating it to his blood because his blood will cover us, give us a new identification with God as our Father, but also to, to be connected, eat of his flesh, partaking Jesus who is the living word of God, taking that word of God in us so we can tr- be transforming our soul nature, the things that we've experienced, the mindsets that we've been under, the things that people have taught us that are wrong, the world's view right now of God. They, they don't know who God is. They're looking for God. Their eyes are blinded because of Satan, blinding them to the truth lest they come to the gospel. But we have the truth. We have the message. We have the food that's going to satisfy. We have Jesus that we can offer them so they can begin to know and process what we're processing, to know God, to know Jesus, to know the Holy Spirit, who is eternal life. I'm throwing the scripture in this morning. I felt like the Lord just really showed it to me. It's in Luke. I love the Amplified, so I'm going to read it out of there. You probably knew that, though. This is Luke 9.24. And Jesus is talking to uh, those who would follow him. He says, whoever would preserve his life and save it will lose it and destroy it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he will preserve and save it from the penalty of eternal death. Eternal death, separation from God. You could search the scriptures. There's some, Luke 16 even tells you what hell is like. And I'm telling you, the story he tells about that guy in hell that guy, he was so upset of being there. He said, will you send somebody to my family and tell them how to turn away so they don't have to come to this place? That's how conscious he was of where he ended up. You know, eternal life. Every person that is around us, they need eternal life. They don't need eternal death. They need eternal life. But we are the ones who can bring the message of the gospel that can turn them around, that can change them, that cause them to have repentance and forgiveness of sins, just like we need it to be saved. And what a slap in Satan's face is that every person that comes to Christ leaves, leaves him and leaves their sin and leaves their past and leaves all the darkness that they were so wrapped up in because of his deception. There's another verses, two, a few more verses too in Luke 9, 52 through 56. Jesus sent messengers before him, and they reached and entered a Samaritan village to make things ready for him. But the people would not welcome or receive or accept him 
because his face was set as if he were going to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, observed this, they said, Lord, do you wish us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? (laughs) Wow, (laughs) pretty tough disciples. That's not the kind of love Jesus is talking about, I think. But Jesus turned and rebuked and severely censured them. He said, you do not know what sort of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's life, but to save them from eternal the penalty of eternal death. There is life in Jesus. There is life now. At times there's healings. There's restorations. There is life. There is purposes in life. There's something uh, that continually unfolds for us in creativity and meaning of life when we have, have attained the goals or things that we have naturally. There's always something greater from God. There's always a new opportunity to, to have a different life or to have another expectation of why you're living. That's eternal life, something that's far beyond just living out the natural life and attaining what the world tells us we need to have, to have joy and to have life. I think of Enoch. Not our Enoch, but the first Enoch. Genesis 5.22, after Enoch, or after Methuselah, forget it. (laughs) Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Okay, we're working on, I'm working on 52 years myself right now. 300 years? That's probably transformation. 300 years he walked with God, had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Okay, we have a lot of opportunity then to know God like Enoch knew God. But what's amazing to me that Enoch was supernaturally taken from the physical realm without dying into the supernatural. That's the God we are in pursuit of and the God we want to know. Human in heaven. I guess in the natural we think of spacesuits and helmets and environments and oxygen, but God had that all covered. What about Moses? He goes on the mountain and gets tablets, but he's too long being there. Comes down, the people have already broken the tablets, so he's got to go back up to get tablets again. So he's on the mountain with the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights. And he doesn't eat bread, and he doesn't drink water. That's Exodus 34, 28. And then we have Elijah. He's fed twice by angels. Then he went without food for 40 days on Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. That's in 1 Kings 19, 5 through 8. Again, Enoch in God, taken up to God's presence without dying. Uh, that's going to be interesting to know how God did that. Two humans taken out of this earthly environment, and put in God's presence. It shows the supernatural manifestation of being in the presence of God, that there's something beyond uh, understanding of how can preserve us. And we can see also how God can heal us in his presence, how Jesus, as he went through and did different things, the very presence of God brought healing to people. You know, if you're struggling with something and you're going to the doctor, just being in God's presence, taking time every day, resting in God's presence, asking for the healing presence of Jesus to wash over you, you are setting yourself up for the Holy Spirit to work 
miracles in your life, people that you love, people that you know, situations that are uh, unbelievable and uh, defy understanding, prayer and being in the presence of God to work and to, to help you connect and know God. Even the people that we lose, people we've lost people through sickness. It's, we don't understand why. Some people are healed, some people are not. But to see God and to know him, to un- understand that how all things are going to work together for good, all comes out of being patient and, and waiting and knowing God. I want to skip to my last slide. Are you willing to take the test if you know God? Here's one of the keys in knowing Jesus. In 1 John 2, 3, Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. In 1 John 2, 3 through 5, And this is how we may discern daily by experience that we are coming to know him, to perceive him, to recognize him, and to understand and become better acquainted with him if we bear in mind and observe and practice his teachings, his precepts, and his commands. Whoever says, I know him, I perceive and recognize him, I understand him, and I am very much acquainted with him, but fails to keep and obey his commandments, his teaching is a liar, and the truth of the gospel is not in him. But he who keeps and treasures his word, who bears in mind his precepts, and who observes his message, in this person is eternity. Truly in him has the love of God, for God, been perfected, completed, reached maturity. By this we may perceive, know, and recognize, and be sure that we are in him. So part of knowing him is being obedient to what God commands us. And there be, I hope there's one thing right now that resonates in every one of us. And don't divert from what the Holy Spirit is saying I need to put into practice. Because as we put into practice those things he's putting on his heart, we're going to grow in our understanding and knowing of who Jesus is. Would you stand? We have five minutes left. If you'd like to get prayer, maybe you'd like to go to the altar because you know there's some things maybe you've been wrestling with that God's asking of you. And it's okay to wrestle. God has a lot of grace for us. But there's grace and there's change when we wrestle with God, when we work out those things that he's trying to do. When we change gears or change the channels and just think about other things, we stop our spiritual growth and we really kind of stop our knowing process, just like we know in relationships, like in our marriages especially. When there's an area we're not dealing with, that's where our relationship begins to stagnate. But God wants us to know him more. So that's why God puts these different things in our path that he wants us to deal with. And once we deal with them, we start growing again. And yes... He's going to put another challenge on you. But know that each challenge brings more growth. Let me just pray, and then you can do whatever you need to do. God, we just want to know you, and we need your Holy Spirit who gives us remembrance of what you're saying to us. I pray right now that you would go to the deepest places in our heart, those places that you're asking for uh, acts of obedience. You're asking us for response. You're even asking us for even dialogue about things, even to wrestle with uncomfortable feelings or knowing you want something from us, but we don't want to give us. God, help each one of us to press through those areas that would keep us from knowing you in a deeper way. 
In Jesus' name. Now, if you're just out there, kind of be praying because really as we're a body, your prayers, even if you don't need to come to the altar, your prayers are powerful in the next four minutes. Pray for people that are coming. When you see people come up, pray that God is going to meet them. God's going to give them a grace to change. God is going to give them the ability to overcome. God wants people to know him. I believe.